0: Everyone, just a quick reminder that Lash Boss Summit is in Austin on April 22nd and 23rd of 2023. You can head to LashBossRadio.com or LashBossSummit.com to buy tickets. Hope to see you there. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. I'm Shelby, your host, and today I wanted to talk about some of the biggest things that lash artists struggle with. I'm going to take this with both new artists and um, seasoned artists. So first I want to talk about what I think a lot of new artists struggle with. Um, As somebody who's actually licensing people to do lashes in the state of Texas, I obviously see a ton of newbies in the industry um i've also been teaching even before i had the school and i feel like a lot of times especially when it comes to consultations and kind of um how they feel towards their work or their business it's there's a lot of lacking of confidence and i think that that eventually comes with time after you've seen like a lot of clients and you kind of know how your work looks um pretty consistently with having people come back in. You know that if somebody has poor retention and most of your clients have great retention, you would be able to say to a client that's having bad retention, hey, this is not normal for any of my other clients, so I really want to get to the bottom of, you know, what could be going on with your lashes. I can try something else. But let's talk about aftercare again versus being like, oh my gosh, oh no, it's all my fault. Let me give away free this, free that. Let me do a refund. Um, I also see confidence lacking when doing consultations, like I mentioned earlier. And the way that I know that is because we see, we have models come in for the, the set for somebody that's brand new to lashing. And the artist is having a very hard time with just in the moment feeling nervous or feeling anxious because they have somebody in front of them that they're trying to gather like what is the shaping and everything I'm going to do but what I would say to that if you're struggling with like having a really good consultation and maybe even struggling in the moment with how you're feeling um, when a client's like standing in front of you maybe you're feeling just a little jittery or you start like watching yourself as you're talking to this person like wow I know I look nervous or sound nervous and you're kind of judging yourself in the moment. So what I would do is I would actually type out the questions that you want to ask your client in the consultation, print it out, put it on a clipboard so that the client's not seeing what you're seeing. And as they're going through the consultation, if you're feeling like I don't know, I think some people just get nervous with like person like in-person interactions. So if you're ever feeling uncomfortable, I would just look down at your clipboard and write down what they're saying. That way you know you're going through every single thing that you want to ask them, and it's just a way to like kind of break up that tension that you might be feeling. Some people are super confident and they don't have problems talking to people, and some people even have really good memories and they know like all of the questions that they want to ask in a consultation, but there are a lot of potential questions you can ask. I did a whole episode on consultations and great questions um, for those. But that is the first impression that they get of you. And if that looks – if you appear unconfident or if you appear scared even, the client can sense that. So I know that's a lot of pressure, but set yourself up for success. Print it out um, and, you know, just have that to glance over if you need it. And then eventually it's going to become – second nature, like the back of your hand, and those will be a breeze. Um, When it comes to feeling confident in your skills and just retention, application, artistry, I would practice as much as you can. Do not be above doing some models over and over again until you are applying lashes in industry standard time. 100% 100% coverage or zero stickies, you're super confident in all of your pictures and um, you can see that those models can come back in two weeks even and just make that part of the deal like, hey, I need somebody to come in for a free set and also you'll come back in in two weeks after that just so I can see the retention and do that on friends and family as much as you can until you're, you get to this point of, um, you know, you, you can see that there's like a pattern, you can see consistency in your quality. That way, when you start seeing clients, you're kind of skipping that awkward growing stage with your clients, with your paying clients. And you've already worked that out, all of the kinks, you know, with um, your friends and your family who, you know, potentially could turn into clients too. For for me, it def- definitely did turn into that. I still um, – I've talked about on the show that I had five clients to start out with and one of them was my cousin. She still comes to us and it's been like 10 years. So anyway – confidence is one of the biggest things I see. Second thing is professionalism. So if you are starting out and you've been using texting as a method to book appointments, or if you go back and forth via email, make sure that your spelling and grammar is, you know, punctuation, everything is perfect. Um, if you need somebody to like proofread that before you send it out, um, that's a really good way to make sure that, you know, you have this kind of voice, um, in your social media that should kind of match what you're, how you talk to them. And it should be professional all the, all the way across the board. One thing specifically that I think is unprofessional is using pet names with clients. So calling someone babe or love or girly, that is not considered professional. And with a friend, that's, that's I guess, fine. But that's already because you guys have that relationship beforehand. Your clients should be a professional relationship first. And then if you talk about personal things, hopefully it's like they're talking about personal things to you and you're not emotionally dumping on them. Please get a therapist if you feel like you are. Um, but if you guys talk about personal stuff, that's fine. It's actually great for y'all's like long-term relationship. But make sure it's always professional first. So make sure you're always checking in with them saying how is your – how are your lashes doing? How would they hold up? Do you want any changes to your set when we, you know, start your fill? That way there's always this like line that's there. And then how was your weekend or what do you have coming up? And it's it's okay to talk about things that aren't, you know – that are, you know, just personal too. That's okay. So um, I had mentioned if you use texting as a medium to text your clients, that can be a place where just naturally people are going to want to bend the rules a little bit. So clients might use texting as a quick way to say like, hey, can we switch my appointment over? Or hey, um, I'm going to be late. Or you're just going to find that there might just be a lot of like favors being asked of you. You probably don't have your doctor's phone number. And if you think of like a doctor's office, for example, that's a place where everyone is very professional and there are policies and everything that people adhere to that even the times given to patients as available times for their next appointment is very slim and you just take whatever you can get. So when we are texting back and forth with our clients and we are allowing them to reschedule their appointments, not charge no-show fees, but we have a no-show fee policy, you know, then that line really starts to get blurred. And you're going to run into these problems where eventually you're going to be sick of it. You're going to have a lot of clients that kind of feel like they're running over you, don't respect your time and policies, but it actually starts with you. So I would just say kind of revisit your policies. Make sure – You have a way that's not texting for clients to communicate with you. Something that really helps artists with their clients keeping the appointments that they booked originally is obviously not texting clients in the first place, but giving them a few options versus like a wide range of options to book. So when they're at their appointment, say, hey, um, in two weeks, I have Monday at four, Tuesday at three. Thursday at one versus saying I okay like let's say it's a Wednesday today okay next Wednesday I have any time between like 10 and 2 available what time works oh 12 15? okay cool so now you've like really limited yourself to what you can book in that rest of the time because you might have broken up a space that could have been for a full set and now can only be for another type of service when you break up also across the week versus like just the day. So let's say you, um, you're telling them I have Wednesday at 10, 1 and 6 p.m. That's a that's a great like first step. But you could also do one step further and say you have Monday, give them one time, Tuesday, give them another one time, et cetera. Booking systems are also starting to we're starting to see more booking systems like have these parameters that clients can book within. So to minimize gaps and to maximize flush scheduling within your appointment book, booking systems are kind of assisting with like giving clients only a few options. So Forrest is one that does that really well. Um, specifically, I, I know that one, but hopefully others will follow suit. So if you are Shopping around for a booking system. Ask that person that you're doing like that discovery call with, like if they have that as an option and how to how to do it in your system. Because a lot of times, the appointments that we see on our books that aren't flush are ones that we didn't book ourselves. It's the client booked it online, but you could also just call that client or uh, message that client um, via email and just ask hey, like I saw that you booked this appointment. Thank you so much. Is there any way that you can come at 1 or 3 p.m. instead of 1.30 or something? That way I can squeeze in another client. If not, no worries. I can still see you at that time. Um, just doing that, usually 99% of the time, the client's like, yeah, absolutely, and they make it work. The third thing that I'll mention for new clients is with application. So before you start taking paying clients, make sure that your skills are at a level that you would pay for yourself. If you would get lashes done by you, knowing the way that you do them, that's a good sign. Um, If people are willingly coming back for fills, even if they were just your model or something, that is a good sign. If you're seeing that your work is growing out pretty, that there's not a lot of like twisting or turning breakage or um, stickies when they come back in two weeks and you still have a lot of lashes intact that is a great sign if you're seeing poor retention wonky lashes growing out stickies um, lots of clumps of adhesive or if you're just struggling with your speed it's not time to take paying clients yet I would still take models and it's actually not always like a long time before you get really good if you practice every single day you could even practice on a mannequin. But if you can just get someone in your family or a friend to consistently just hang out with you, lay down, um, you guys can listen to a podcast together, music together, catch up, and it could just be this fun little session that you have with a friend while you're kind of perfecting those skills that you desperately need in order to be an artist that can charge what lashes are supposed to be worth. Otherwise, you're going to be really struggling to get clients because you kind of... Um, like jumped too soon and then you're going to be discounting your work and saying like having model calls or like discounts every single month and that actually hurts your business because when you're constantly discounting your work people that are seeing these posts of you discounting don't ever think oh wow I must I must call her and get in because She's almost fully booked. They actually think the opposite. They're like, this girl's always running a discount. She must have no clients. So take the time to work on your artistry and application and make sure that you take good classes. Don't just take a class because... They're in your area or your beauty school is offering it. Sometimes those classes are trash, like honestly. So it's okay to invest a little bit of money and go travel somewhere else because you know that your money is going to be put somewhere where that person is going to be dedicated to seeing you succeed. So it's so necessary to only purchase Lash courses from reputable companies, reputable educators, and not just someone down the road. Um, one thing with pricing too is a really good educator that has a good program, a good manual, and just has a has a great um, class is not going to be undercutting her courses. They're probably not discounting their courses at all. So search around if you need any recommendations. I have a few. Um, I believe there's an episode maybe it was like 99 or 101 or something, but it was classes that I recommend because I've taken them myself. But yeah, there's there's some really good ones out there. And um, if you need help, you can always message me on Instagram, Shelby, the Lash Boss, and I'll help you out and see where you're at and see, you know, who's around you or who's coming to your area. Now, we're going to talk about seasoned artists, what I think they struggle with. So It's so sad, but I see a lot of people that have, quote unquote, made it in the industry where they're kind of like in their prime, they're doing classes, they're really consistent on social media, they're very recognizable. If you were to go to a conference or trade show or something, you'd recognize who they are, Um, and then you just see them disappear. And they sometimes come back and they're like, hey, I just took a break from social media because... I've been struggling with burnout or mental health or something. And then it happens again. And then sometimes I leave the industry completely. And it breaks my heart because I think that a lot of people who've been in the industry a while or who have achieved, like, a certain level of success, they have a lot of internalized, like, pressure. And they think that everyone is like, okay, I love that post. Where's the next one? Okay, I loved – that project that you put out, where's the next one? And they're just, they feel like there's no resting time. They feel like just a lot of pressure to keep up, to stay relevant, to not get, you know, passed up by somebody else. And that's sad to me. I think that we sometimes expect too much of ourselves when really, like, it's not even necessary to, um, to like keep producing like that. Almost like Somebody in the music industry, I would say, like, if you've ever had an artist that just put out an album and you can tell, like, I've, I've sometimes heard this in interviews. I love listening to, like, um, interviews with artists that just put something out, you know, and I hear them say something like, I just put this out and people are already like, OK, where's the next album? Or like, we're like, we're ready for more. And I think that that might be happening with seasoned artists where... They're kind of just expecting themselves to be robotic and always produce, produce, produce. So to that, I would say maybe it's time to hire someone that can help you with producing whatever it is that you feel like you want to produce. Maybe just have a social media person that helps you create content or maybe like once or twice a month you go in with um, a photographer or videographer, you shoot what you need to shoot and then the person that helps you with social media can help you integrate that on your platforms versus you doing it all yourself. The same thing that happens to a salon owner when they their salon starts growing where they were once a service provider but now they have to be the receptionist and the janitor and the manager and... They're hiring, they're firing. It's it just it gets to be just a lot on someone's plate. And then things start to kind of falter and fall off, and just everything kind of starts to spill over into everything else, and you kind of just feel numb to it. So I think when somebody is in the industry a long time, they sometimes think that they must be a content creator now and they must be an educator now, and they must be selling this course and that course and what if that's not even necessary what does what do you actually want to do i think sometimes we also think that person is successful i want to do what she is doing and then we try to copy their blueprint and it doesn't actually work for us because we were doing it for the wrong reasons so anyway to recap that whole section I would just look at what it is that would make you so happy and what the goal actually is. And is there anyone that you could hire to help you achieve that goal? So it's not all only on you. It's really not necessary for you to do every single thing. Um, I used to feel like that so much where it almost made me feel better that I could say I did everything. And it just made no sense because I actually wasn't achieving anything. I just was um, feeling like I was. But when I started having help, there were so many more projects and things that I could do because I wasn't, like, run down. One other thing, I, so this is the second and last thing I'll say about seasoned artists. Something that I think that they struggle with is they've taken a lot of classes. Let's say they're an educator themselves, and then they feel like, okay, well, should I stop taking classes? Like, Is it is that educator going to judge me if I'm showing up in their class? Are they going to think I'm stealing from them? Um, If you're feeling like that, maybe even just reach out to the educator, the other educator and say, like, hey, um, I teach classes, too. I just I wanted to take your class because I really wanted to learn that technique or I think you're great. I just wanted to make sure that that was cool or something and let you know, like, I'm not going to, you know, poach anything from you. If you honestly feel like they're thinking that. But chances are they probably aren't. um, And you're just thinking it yourself. But. I think it's so necessary to keep learning and keep being a student because if you don't, then you will eventually have people that know more than you and you're kind of going to be doing something in like the old way. The lash industry has changed so much even in the last like decade. So imagine somebody that was an educator 15 years ago or 10 years ago and they stopped taking classes because they were in their prime at this point. Almost everyone in the industry knows more than you do because you haven't taken a class in that long. I don't, I can't even think of anybody who would do that, but I'm just giving an example. So, if you don't take more classes or educate yourself anymore, um, and if you just become an educator and you don't do lashes yourself, I kind of feel like that's the same thing. Um, If you are an educator, you should still be doing models here and there so that you can kind of still know what you're talking about and know what you're doing and trying as new products come out trying those things and being able to offer that experience and knowledge to your students is super necessary so hope you guys enjoyed this episode i know it was a little all over the place i am this is my first episode i'm <laughs> recording of the day and so that one's always like a little off but anyway Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'll be back very soon with the next episode.